Good morning. Uh, as Brian said, it is always good to be in the house of the, of the saints. Uh, even better for me as I was not here last week. Uh, it is good to see everyone's face again, everyone smiling. Uh, and it's also good to come to you and bring uh, you the word of God. Uh, as, we, as we close out from Ruth chapter 2, remembering uh, where we, we, we're coming from and we're going into chapter 3 this morning, uh, we, we see there there's a change in Ruth's demeanor. She goes from a woman who came in and was, was bitter and distraught and she was uh, focused against God thinking that God had put her in this spot that he was uh, forsaken her. But now we see that there is hope. Uh, there is hope of salvation both for her and for her uh, daughter-in-law, Ruth. And this is kind of where we are. And, you know, she sees small, as she sees those small acts of kindness through Ruth, kind of like we are, we, we think that God has forsaken us. And as we look and we see how he's working, we realize that God hasn't forsaken us. He is still working for our good. And that's where we need to focus at. But, you know, when we, we have those hardships in our lives, we tend to focus on the wrong things. You know, we tend to look inward. We look to our friends. We look to our families. We look to our hobbies. You know, some may even turn to alcohol or other uh, destructive methods in order to find that hope that we need. But my question for you this morning is, when you find yourself in, those, in the midst of those hardships in your life, when you find yourself distraught, when you find yourself seeking some type of security and support, where do you place God in the midst of those hardships? Is God at the forefront of, of your thoughts or is he an afterthought? And that's what we want to look at this morning. So um, if you have your Bibles this morning, go ahead and turn to Ruth chapter 3. You'll find it somewhere between uh, Judges chapter 21 uh, and right before 1 Samuel. Uh, if you're using one of the Bibles that we provide, it should be on page 209. So let's read, starting in Ruth. Chapter 3, verse 1. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative, with who, whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight in the thre at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor. But... Do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, All that you say, I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer. Yet there is a redeemer. There is a redeemer. Uh, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight and in the morning, 
If he will redeem you, good. Let him do it. But if he, will, if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So she lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, bring the garment you're wearing and hold it out. So she held it and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, how did you fare, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, these six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, you must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. She replied, wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you as you work your will, you work your way, you work your, your good deeds through us and through others, Father. We just pray that you would, we would keep you at the forefront of our thoughts as we work through life's trials, Father, knowing that you will provide rest, that you are willing and you are able to supply all of our needs. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as I said when uh, I was opening up this morning, it is sometimes hard to see where God is moving in our life. However, we need to remember one thought that, it, you know, it's not the visible confirmation uh, that is required for our faith. We don't need to see what God is doing to know that God is working. You know, the same God that came to the Israelites in Judges when they cried out from oppression, the same God who brought them from Egypt is the same God that works in our lives today. And that's where we need to make sure that we keep our focus, that we remind ourselves that God is still working. The main idea of the sermon this morning is if we will humble ourselves before God and seek his face, he is willing and able to provide for all our needs. This is a truth that I want us to grasp and to hold on to this morning. But as always, our problem is not that we find it difficult uh, to look to God. Our problem is we find it difficult to put our trust in God. We forget that he should be the source of our strength, that in him we can have peace and safety regardless of our circumstances. To this, my first point is, in the Redeemer, we can find rest. Uh, we, read, we listened to several songs this morning that talk specifically about God being the Redeemer. And as we open it up, we see again at the end of chapter 2, Ruth came in and she told Naomi all the good stuff that was going on in the field, how Boaz was kind to her, he provided food. And as we've been walking through Ruth, uh, sorry, Naomi has seen all that Boaz has done for Ruth, and she's taking notice of it. And she says to Ruth, uh, you know, my daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well for you? And, and what we get here is uh, Naomi recognizes that in their current situation, that in their current hardships, everything that's brought them from the land of Moab, into uh, back into Bethlehem, you know, they've got a situation where they cannot provide the solution for. They need someone to provide for them. And, and that report that she received from Ruth about Boaz, that was what sparked Naomi to have this hope. And, and if you recall, back in uh, chapter one, Naomi says to both Ruth and Orpah, you know, she told them, the Lord grant that you find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. So that same thought, that same devotion, that care for Naomi 
and of that care for Ruth and for Oprah has carried forward. Naomi has not forgot that. And it shows us something about Naomi. It tells us something about God. You know, even in our hard times, you know, God is looking out for our good. We see Naomi is still looking out for the good of Ruth, just as Ruth was devoted to Naomi. Naomi is also devoted to Ruth. And we see that bond, that loyalty that has spanned you know, all of their troubles, all their trials from Moab, 10 years, death of the family, and now coming back into hardships at her hometown in Bethlehem. You know, but when we look at it, there were three things that Naomi's plan required Ruth to do. The first was to wash. The second was to anoint herself. And then the third was to change her clothes. You say, well, how does that make sense? You know, why does she want her to wash? Well, if we think about it, Ruth has been working out in the fields, gleaning, you know, barley, gleaning grain all day long. It's quite possible that she's dirty. She's been winning out the barley. She's been trying to get, make a living for her and for her mother. And, you know, she needs to wash and be presentable. And she tells her to anoint yourself. Well, anoint yourself. Yes, go and put on oil. Make yourself presentable for this husband that we're going to seek for you. And then the last thing she says is to go and change your clothes. Well, we, we, again, she's been working in the fields. Her clothes are probably dirty. Uh, again, we're not sure how much change of clothes they had, but the idea is that Ruth, uh, Naomi is telling her, I need you to change your clothes, be presentable. But another thing that she may be telling her is, hey, you've been here mourning for your husband for a while now. That time is over. You need to put on a new face. You need to let that go. We need to move forward. She wants her to go out and have a better life, and that's what she's looking for. But the thing to notice here as well is that without real hesitation, Ruth accepts the advice of her mother-in-law. She knows that Naomi has her good in mind. She knows that Naomi is looking out for her, and Naomi is trying to take them to a better place. And in verse 5, and she said, all you say I will do. And, And this to me is surprising and interesting at the same time. You know, I don't know many women who, who right off the bat would take the, the, the direct advice of their mother-in-law and then just go and do it without any type of, uh, you know, hey, I need some explanation. Uh, is, is this really what you want me to do? You know, I'm sure there are some mother-in-laws who uh, are, are that are articulate and they will provide that advice. But again, uh, in our nature, we don't always move as we should when we're, we're first told. And I can tell you in, in my life, um, you know, I am not disloyal. When God tells me to do something, uh, there is not there are times where I'm like, uh, probably a little bit more confirmation, God. I'm the guy. I'm like, I need just a little bit more of you to show me what you're doing before I can step out and take this. But Ruth was loyal to Naomi, and Ruth did what her mother-in-law told her to do. You know, another thing it says in Psalm 19, it says, And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. And we see now as, as Ruth is and Naomi is embarking on this plan, they're, they're going out and Ruth knows, I need to go out and seek uh, the Redeemer. In this case, it'll be Boaz. Um, and, you know, she doesn't think about the fact that, well, God, you know, let my husband die. God, let my two sons die. Uh, my, one of my daughters Desert, <clears throat> deserted me, and she turned back, and she went back to Moab, and the daughter I have here, while she, you know, she's with me, we're still going through hard times. You know, no, at this point, Naomi's saying, I need to look to 
my Redeemer. I need to find salvation. You know, even though we may not see that uh, up front, we know that God is still working the background. Everything that he's orchestrated to bring Naomi back from Moab to keep Ruth with her, to put her in a position where she could see Boaz in the field, where Boaz could take notes of her. All of this is by God's divine orchestration, and this is why seeking God is important. And also, as we'll get to here in a second, is watching and see how God works. And lucky for us, God is faithful to us even when we are not faithful to him. So now we, we transition to the point to where Ruth is in her Sunday finest and she's headed out to the threshing floor. She's going down to meet Boaz. She's got her marching instructions from mom. She knows exactly what she needs to do. She's down to, she's down to the threshing floor and she's waiting on Boaz to present himself so she can make her proposal. And, and we, we don't know how long she was there. We don't know if she got there at the beginning of the night. We don't know if she got there at the end of the night. All we know is Ruth is on her mission, and she's not going to leave until she can speak to Boaz. Uh, as the faithful daughter, she follows her, her, mother, her mother-in-law's uh, plan to let her. Um, she comes to Boaz, and she lays at his feet. So Boaz is there. We just read it. He comes in. He's finished threshing the, uh, the, the grain. He comes and he lays down, which was normal for him to do at that time. And, and Ruth is laying there at Boaz's feet. And while she's there, I'm sure there's several things that's going through her mind. You know, one, I'm pretty sure she was impatient. You know, Boaz is asleep. She's got this anxiety. She's wondering what's going to go on. I've got to come to him. We really need this plan to go on. I really need Boaz to, to wake up so I can talk to him. But then on the other side, she's got to be thinking, now, well, once I ask him to marry me, what is he going to say? I've come to him. I've got this proposal, but what is he going to say? So there, there's probably some fear there in Ruth as she's laying there on the floor in the dark waiting for Boaz to wake up so she can present herself to him and ask the question that she's been waiting all evening to ask Boaz. And this, again, it brings me to the point, is, but in the Redeemer, it says we can find rest. But as he works, we need, to be, we need to make sure that we're waiting on him, that we worry more and we, uh, that, we, that we wait more and that we worry less, um, that he will fulfill uh, his purpose in us. Uh, we often find it hard uh, to wait on God. And sometimes God can be slow in his acting. Uh, and when we see that, our immediate thought is, well, God is not listening to me. No, God is not hearing me. I've prayed. God has an answer. I must be doing something wrong, or God just not, is just not interested in what I am asking him for. But that cannot be further from the truth. We know that, you know, as Ruth is going there, Boaz has already taken an interest in her. Boaz already knows that, hey, this is someone who I want to, to get to know. But also, when we talk about Ruth laying at the feet of Boaz, I don't want to rush past that. You know, she comes to him humbly and presents herself at his feet. And the picture of that we get is when we come to God, we must come humbly. We must present ourselves in a way that shows that we have fear, that we have reverence for God. Uh, we can't come to God in our own mind thinking, well, I'm demanding that you provide this for me, God. Or, God, I need you to do this for me right now, and I need you to do this for me in my way. We need to make sure that when we speak to God, that we speak to him as a humble servant looking for him to provide for us. And this brings me to my next point. It says, the Redeemer is willing and able to provide all of our needs. So now as Rufus laying there around midnight, it says that Boaz wakes up. 
So if we look over in verse 9, it says, uh, verse 8, it says, At midnight the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. So again, Ruth, is, she's come there, she's humbled herself, and she's speaking to Boaz, not as, you know, as a friend or someone that she's uh, been hanging out with all week, but she's come to him as a servant, and she says, clearly, I'm here as your servant. And, you know, that would indicate that, you know, I know, I, I recognize that I'm Lord to you. I want you to recognize I'm coming here for your help. Um, spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And this is the first time, you know, we, we hear Ruth actually use that word, right? Whether it, she got it from uh, Naomi um, through uh, Naomi's teaching or through direct conversation with Naomi, but we see now that Ruth recognizes Boaz as her redeemer, and now Boaz recognizes that Ruth has also come to him as a redeemer, and he would know what that means. You know, he would understand the Levite law that meant that as Ruth comes to him as her redeemer, that she's asking him to provide security for her. She's asking him to protect her. And in essence, she's asking him, will you marry me? That is what she's going after. Uh, and in verse 10, it says, and he said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you have asked, that you ask, for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. So this is good news for Ruth. Finally, after all night laying on the floor, after all night worrying, she's come to the Redeemer, she's waited, she's made a petition to Boaz, and now she's got at least part of an answer, right? For all intents and purposes, they are now engaged. Right? We, look, we look at it, and the words from Boaz, they're, they're good. They bring a new perspective to the situation that both Ruth and Naomi are in. Uh, and, you know, I don't want to skip over the fact that we see again Ruth's loyalty to Naomi, and Boaz has noticed this as well, how gracious he is. And, and he says to her, you know, this last kindness is greater than the first kindness. That last kindness, you coming to me when you could have went somewhere else. Boaz recognizes Ruth could have went to any other other men in, uh, in uh, Bethlehem. She could have definitely looked for someone who was younger. She looked for someone who was richer, but she came to Boaz. And what that symbolizes is she is respecting Naomi. She is respecting her dead husband, saying, I want to be loyal and devoted to this family. I want to do the things the way that your God says that I should do them. And if we think back to when Ruth said that she would follow Naomi, she said, your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. And she, Ruth, has been faithful through this up until this point. And as you'll see as we go forward, she continues to be faithful. And that's how we need to be. When we, need to, when we say that we're going to follow God, we're going to do what God tells us to do, we need to be faithful to that. You know, God doesn't need lip service. He's the God of the universe. What he needs is our obedience. What he needs is us to do what we say that we will do. And we need him to do it our way. We need to understand that God has rules. What we need to focus on is will we follow those rules? You know, will we follow God's standard or will we deviate and follow our own? But also we need to understand that the redeeming this, it would normally be for, for Naomi. But obviously Naomi is beyond childbearing years. So it makes sense that he would go to Ruth, not only because she came proposed to him, but the idea is that there will be a son who, the, who would gain the inheritance 
from the father. So Ruth's son, you know, from her husband, Malon, would obviously gain that inheritance. And that is the part of the redemption that we see uh, for the Levite law. But also, again, I just want to, again, go back to where Boaz says that, you know, he recognizes Ruth as a worthy woman, or worthy wife. Um, Proverbs 12.4 says, a worthy wife, wife is a crown for her husband. Proverbs 31.10 says, who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is more precious than rubies. Man, you ladies, some of you ladies need to put this on a bumper sticker, paste it on the back of the family car, and, and ride around with it like, hey, make sure your husband sees it, maybe get you a shirt with a PS on the front. You know, but, you know, it says, uh, again, a, a worthy woman, a virtuous and capable wife. Now, I can tell you guys, my wife has been out of town for like three weeks, and I miss my virtuous wife, right? I, me and Emma are sick of cooking. Mama needs to come home, right? It's, it's, it's been a long time, right? So... You know, again, you know, but the, the idea is, you know, Boaz sees like, hey, I can, you know, again, this, as we look into this, we, we continue to see the integrity and the character of both Ruth and Boaz. We see even from the onset, you know, even though uh, Boaz had absolutely no obligation to marry Ruth, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll touch that here in a second, you know, he, he saw her in the field, he provided for her. He made sure that he had, she had security from the onset, ensuring that hey, he told his men, don't touch her, leave some extra for her so that she can have food for her and Naomi because he saw how devoted she was to Naomi and he saw her character, that she worked steadily from the time she arrived until the time she left. Um, and also the same can be said of Boaz, just from his character, how he did not come on the roof. Obviously, as an older man, he would not com come to the roof and propose marriage. So, Ruth coming to him, again, goes back to his statement of this last kindness is greater than the first, the first being your kindness toward uh, Naomi, your loyalty to my family. That is what Boaz is referring to here. You know, the other thing that we look at is when we go to God, you know, how great is God? You know, we think about what God provides for us. You know, Brian talked about uh, redemption. We have, again, we have the songs on redemption. And even though redemption is kind of a, it's somewhat of a, a foreshadowing. They don't go a lot into it. We hear the name. We hear the word redeemer. You know, I mean, this foreshadowing of what God has done for us, how he has saved us. And we, we have to remember where we're actually at in the grand scheme of the Bible. You know, we just finished Judges as a church. And, you know, if we think about where Ruth lands, Ruth falls somewhere. You know, we kind of kind of look, it kind of did the math. It falls somewhere between Judges 4 and Judges 5. So what that would mean that as as, they are come, as the Israelites are coming into the promised land, they're going through their trials where God is seeing that they will actually be obedient. You know, all the, Ruth is living through all of this. You know, all this the oppression that's going on, God testing Israel. Ruth, this is what Ruth and Naomi are, are, are currently going through. So, you know, we, we can't miss the fact that there are things that are going on that God is working um, through, again, through his divine orchestration to make sure that both Ruth and Naomi taken care of, but that we can see that how he works to save his people. And, and as we look into eternity, you know, we know that <clears throat> God will give us protection and he will give us provision. And we see that he's so good that we get protection and provision now in this life here on earth, but also we have to look forward to eternity that we can spend eternity with God because of what he is doing out of his great kindness and mercy. However, we know that there is a snag in the story, 
And Boaz makes sure that he, again, lets Ruth know up front. And we, we see his integrity. He says, you know, yes, I am a redeemer, but I am not the first in line. There is a redeemer that is nearer to me. And, and to me, what this shows, again, is Boaz's integrity to God. So it shows that his devotion, that I'm going to do what you ask me to do, Ruth. I am willing to take care of you. I'm willing to provide for you. I am willing to provide for Naomi. But we need to do it God's way. God says it needs to happen this way. And Boaz is set on making sure that he's done God's way. And this, the same as Ruth, uh, when Naomi told Ruth to go, Ruth got up, Ruth went. Um, when God tells us to go, we need to get up, we need to go. When he gives us direction, we need to follow that direction. Uh, but here, again, we see also that Boaz sees that God has put this in place for a reason. And he will not deviate from what God has told him to do. Again, we, as we look at this, uh, and we say, you know, God is willing and able to provide for us in all of our needs, but we must accept his way of doing things. And this is, this is probably where we get into the most trouble. We want God to come to us on our own terms. We want God to provide for us the way we want it, how we want it, when we want it. And we seldom look to God and say, I will accept it as you give it to me, God, and I will wait on you. You know, finally, you know, we, morning arrives, so we go back to the story here, and we see that uh, morning finally arrives, and Ruth and Boaz are about to part. And, and there's no doubt that Naomi also has been, you know, in a, in a role all night, much like Ruth, where she's very impatient. She's probably been pacing the floor all night, wondering what's going on, like, hey, is Ruth okay? Did Boaz say no? Uh, how are things going? And in verse uh, 18, we see she says, uh, you know, Ruth comes back and she gives her the report from the night before. And Naomi's words to her are, she replied, wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. You know, again, I think this is a big contrast from the Naomi in chapter one to Naomi in chapter three. In chapter 1, Naomi was very much, God has forsaken me again. God is not looking out for me. You know, he, is, he took me away full. He brought me back empty. You know, call me Mara. I'm bitter. I, I, I don't think God is looking out for me. Now, you know, we see that that hope is starting to build more and more as Naomi sees how God is working for her and Ruth. But also, she understands the integrity of Boaz. She has seen how Boaz has treated Ruth, and she sees that he, you know, and it says Boaz is a, a worthy man. We get this from, from chapter 2. He's a worth, worthy man. That means he can be trusted. And this is, they say this twice, and even uh, Naomi knows that Boaz is someone who can be trusted, that we can wait on Boaz, that he will bring to us what he said he would do. He will complete his promise. This is how we should also look at God, that when God says that he will do something, he will do it. Uh, we look back into uh, to Judges when the Israelites cry out to God, and he says he's going to raise up a judge. He raises up the judge, and he tells them, they ask, should we go into the land? And he tells them to go. He talks specifically to Judah, says, should we go into the land? He said, go into the land, and they went, and God delivered. Same with Gideon. He said, go into the land. The God, God is with you, and for all the judges... God told them to go, and they went, and God was with them. God came through on his promises. God can be trusted to provide for us. And again, 
The, the other idea from what uh, from Naomi's reply is that if we, again, if we raise our petitions to God, uh, we should be wait patiently for him to move. We cannot rush God. We do not have his same sovereignty. We don't know what he's doing. Um, it is, we need to understand that in Psalms 37.5, it says, Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. You see, the, the thing we need to understand is it is not in the asking, but in the waiting that we will show our extent of faith to God. As we wait on him, we show that we are faithful and that we trust him to do what he says he will do. You know, the, the story of Ruth, we know that there's a, a lot going on. I don't want to jump forward uh, into, into chapter 4. This, I think this is one of those books that would be very easy to probably preach the entire book in one setting. Um, but I think the goodness is that we take the time to look at, you know, what each chapter says. And because there's, there's still a wealth of information that we can get from this book. Um, you know, so kind of in conclusion this morning, you know, the thing we need to understand is God is both willing and able to provide for all of our needs. You know, and he will give us peace when we come humbly to him, but we have to come to him. We have to wait. We have to be willing to wait on God and willing to trust in his timing, willing to trust that he knows what's best for us. Uh, I found this quote as I was going through. I found this quote from uh, Charles Spurgeon. It says, when God creates, he starts with nothing and creates something. And when God makes a somebody, he always starts with nobodies. But, it's, but it always starts by laying yourself down in humility at his feet. It is entirely the book, is, uh, and it's entirely, and entirely the book of Ruth shows, you know, just how good God is, you know, and we can experience his sovereignty, his wisdom, and his covenant kindness. And I think that's, that's where we are, God's covenant kindness to his people, to be faithful to his people, to provide, uh, to show kindness as he works his will in, this, in the background through Boaz, and he works it for Ruth, and he ultimately, Naomi will also uh, gain from this relationship between Boaz and Ruth through God. You know, and like Ruth, we can also experience God's kindness. You know, we can find rest, we can find salvation in him, um, as, but also while we're doing that, we should also be instruments of kindness. We should not always just look to receive, we should give kindness to others uh, in the same way. So for today, the application for us is that we put our trust in, in the God of the universe, and come humbly to him, seeking his providence and his protection in all of our circumstances. That is what I want us to gain. You know, there is not a, a one, two, three step list, but we need to come to God humbly, recognizing that he is the God of the universe, that he will provide for us, that he is absolutely able, and all he has the authority to do what to provide for us what we need. So lastly, if you're not putting your trust in God, then what are you putting your trust in? You know, are friends your rock? Or is your family your rock? Are your hobbies or the things that you find in this world that fill up all of your time, is that what you put your trust and your faith in and your hardships? And I can tell you that none of those will suffice. None of those will give you the same sort of protection, the same sort of rest, the same sort of comfort and eternal uh, protection that God can provide for you. Again, I know we, we kind of hit it and took off, but we want to make sure that we understand that what God is doing in this. This is a, a beautiful foreshadowing of how God's work of redemption uh, is, is, is being done. It's showing that how Boaz is, you know, kind of that, that first resemblance of how Jesus comes and redeems us and provides that security for us through God's perfect uh, and overwhelming kindness. 
you know, this morning, I pray that as you leave here, you, you think about this story, even not so much of, you know, the great love story between and the bond between Ruth and Naomi and, and how Boaz is providing, but think about your relationship with God, of how God provides for you, how you will be loyal to God as Ruth was loyal to Naomi, how your, your integrity and your character will show like Ruth and Naomi. And when God asks you to work and you see God's kindness, that you can also reciprocate that kindness to others, uh, but also that you are wholly devoted and faithful to God as God is faithful to you. Amen? Now, let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we, we thank you so much, Father, for, for your goodness, Father. We know sometimes that we are not always faithful. We don't come to you uh, as our Redeemer. We don't look to you for rest. And when we do, Father, we come to you uh, with a haughty spirit expecting you to move uh, when we ask you to move instead of us waiting patiently on you to move in your divine, your divine time. Father, I pray that each one here this morning, Father, would not think about the, the, the story of Ruth and, and Boaz as, as a love story, uh, that they would not look at the, the, the brevity of this, uh, this, this particular sermon, but look at the, the great and wide story of what you are doing for your people, Father, that as they come to you humbly, Father, that you accept them, that you give them rest, that you give them peace, that you give them protection as they come to you. When we come to you, Father, in, in humble submission and lay ourselves at your feet, that you are willing and able to provide for us, Father. We thank you for, for Jesus, Father, that through him that he came and he paid the price to redeem us from sin, to redeem us from our own corruption, Father. We thank you that uh, he willingly came and he was able to do what we cannot do for ourselves, Father. So today, Father, in, in the rest of the time that you give us, I pray that you would Remind us of your kindness, Father, that we will be able to see where you work in our lives, Father. And as your goodness and your kindness is revealed to us, we will also reveal goodness and kindness and give it freely and willingly to others, Father. I thank you so much, Father, and I praise in Jesus' name. Amen.